0: It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element, Element, Element FM.
2: Greetings and welcome to a special Moment of Truth on the U.S. election. I'm your host, David Moses. It's a special November 4th election coverage Moment of Truth today. We have with us back on the show Frank Sheck. And he is, of course, a film critic and political columnist for The Hollywood Reporter. And it's a pleasure to welcome Frank back to the show. Thank you. So, Frank, everyone has been watching what's been going on with the U.S. election, of course. And uh, as we woke up this morning, uh, we still have, of course, had no clear winner. Uh, but, uh, you know, Biden is, is winning in the electoral counts right now. But uh, it's still very much up in the air. Uh, what, what, were your, uh, what were your thoughts as you woke up this morning?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I'm, I'm not quite sure you could say I woke up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh what can i tell you it, you know i i went to bed last night uh it, kind of very anxious and i woke up this morning even more anxious right now it is looking like biden will pull ahead uh there are still a lot of votes to be counted but uh things are continuing We're we're a little on edge down here
2: david can you elaborate on that a little more? Which part? The on edge. <laughs> well, first of all,
1: what has become evident is how completely still divided this country is. Mm. Um, even if Biden becomes elected president, it's looking unlikely that he will necessarily have a Democratic Senate. Mm. And without a Democratic Senate, his hands will be tied to a large degree. Uh, the House was expected to gain seats. It looks like they're going to be losing seats. Um, it's just unbelievable how cleaved this country is at this point. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what can be done to bridge that divide.
2: Exactly. So, if there is, like you say, uh, if the Senate does uh, gain more re- Republican seats, and he is uh, sort of, uh, he doesn't have that support, what could that mean? And, and how will what will that do to the country?
1: It could mean that a lot of his agenda, and God knows there is a lot to be done, is is not going to be able to be accomplished uh, easily, if at all. Um, you know, the Senate Republicans will be obstructionist. Mitch McConnell has basically made it his life's mission to be obstructionist. So any Democratic hopes of a progressive agenda, of perhaps altering the composition of the Supreme Court, any of the reforms that they were dreaming about for the last year um, are unlikely to happen. And it's, you know, I mean, for that side, it's profoundly depressing. On the other hand, if Biden gets in, there is that, uh, you know, there is that to be happy about. Once again, the popular vote, um, Biden, it's looking like he will win by several million, just like Hillary Clinton did. But it's still awfully close when you consider the population of the country.
2: You, you know, of course, uh, Donald Trump made a victory speech at around 3 a.m.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I heard something about that.
2: Yes. Uh, and, of course, he also wanted uh, says he's going to, to take this to the Supreme Court uh, because he says there was fraud and he says there, that he, he he's going to challenge this at the Supreme Court.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the thing about Donald Trump is you don't have to guess what he's going to say or attempt right. to do. The man right has there. been telling us that for for months. Right. Uh, there's no legal basis for it. Um, you know, he insists that they stop counting votes. Mm. Well, he can't make that happen. People, there's, votes are still going to be counted. Uh, on the other hand, he wants vote. He still wants votes to be counted in, uh, you know, certain states like Arizona because mm. he's behind. <laughs> but uh, the states where he's leading, now we should stop counting votes, like <laughs> Pennsylvania, where there are still millions of votes to be counted. Mm. Um, so he can say whatever he wants. It's He is not in charge of who wins an election. Uh, the Biden camp obviously has put out their own aggressive statement uh, and their own confident statement, which is exactly what you would expect them to do. It's going to come down simply to numbers, and um, there are still a lot of states that are in the undecided column. Biden is currently leading in four of them, um, by varying margins, Trump is leading in two of them, but for instance, he's leading in Pennsylvania, and the votes that are ca- coming in, which are the mail order ballots, are so far overwhelmingly for Biden. Mm. So Pennsylvania is still very much in play
2: yeah and we understand that it's going to take some time to, to count uh, all uh, the votes that are coming in the mail uh, order like one like you said in the mail, but plus we understand that uh, some states still accept uh, votes up until the almost the middle of november
1: that's correct as long as they were postmarked by election day
2: yeah at,
1: you know, at some point our country may have to rethink that system just because of the chaos it inevitably seems to engender. Mm. Uh, but it is what it is for now, and different states have different policies, and you have to you to the law.
2: Mm-hmm. As you mentioned about uh, Donald Trump, uh, as as it's kind of like what you see is what you get. He he doesn't seem to to bring you any surprises. He he kind of throws it out there. Um, but what do you think that rhetoric does in a situation like this, when he starts making statements like he has been to to the country itself and to the people that are waiting to hear the results?
1: It's extremely damaging for obvious reasons. It is a threat to democracy. It's a threat to the American political system. It's fascistic, um, and it's it, profoundly disturbing. But unfortunately, coming from him, it's not a surprise.
2: Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, the divide and, and how this is really showing the divide in the country. When Donald Trump makes a statement such as there is, you know, there, there's this dumping of votes or that uh, there's fraud and he's going to challenge this and he says the voting should be stopped. what Doesn't that challenge the basic, just like you were saying, the, the very basic root of, of the system and of the United States, not just of the Democrats?
1: Oh, absolutely. And that's why he's so dangerous. It would be nice if uh, his fellow Republicans took a principled stand and actually denounced what he was saying. You know, certainly some of the Republican commentators on television last night did, like Chris Christie and Rick Santorum. Mm. But, you know, for the most part, the Democrats in power are all too willing to just turn a blind eye to it
2: now you just mentioned about uh you know challenging maybe some of those statements and, and and understand that that things like twitter twitter are putting out comments now to state that some of his tweets may be misleading uh with some of the things that he's come out with uh overnight oh absolutely you is, know is that somewhat I, encouraging I'm,
1: I'm... I would not want to be a Twitter
2: fact checker these days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, For sure. That is for sure. Uh, now, you know, prior to the, the voting starting to be counted or, or even as it was being counted yesterday, you know, some of the, the, the challenges that were, that were uh, mentioned is places like Florida. And if, you know, Trump wins Florida, well, Trump did win Florida. So when we see those kind of things rolling out, what, what does that say to us now? It says
1: it says that there was a clear misreading of the electorate in many areas. Um, Democrats had clearly let their hopes get away from them in terms of Florida, in terms of Texas, in terms of Iowa, um, and and you know those hopes were dashed big time. It also says a lot about polling, which is not having you know pollsters are not having a good day today. Mm. Clearly, they were wrong on so many fronts. And I think before the next major election, there has to be a serious reappraisal by the media uh, of how much value to place on them.
2: Mm. You know, one of the things, of course, we've seen a lot on the screens as the votes are counted is actual areas where the votes are being counted. We see the large rooms and they're they're being sorted and those kind of things. And I, I couldn't help but think of those people that are performing those those duties, you know, and helping the country to count the votes uh, for this election. And, and hear about the kind of uh, comments that are being made that kind of throw all their work out the window because it's being undermined by, you know, by comments that say it, it's, you know, they're fraud or they, we should stop the counting at this point. Uh, do you think that that would affect those people doing those jobs?
1: Well, unfortunately, I think it's part of an all too pervasive trend as demonstrated by um, Trump's Saying that doctors and nurses are misrepresenting COVID cases so they can get paid more money. These are people on the front lines, putting their lives in danger, performing an invaluable service, and he denigrates them, and his followers, you know, cheer that, and they cheer chance of firing Fauci. And it's reprehensible. And the Mm. same goes for poll workers. Mm. Uh, You know, the one encouraging thing about this election is that, obviously, there was a greater voter turnout, the greatest in over 100 years. Mm -hmm. The voting, by and large, went much more peacefully than people expected. Mm -hmm. There were incidents here and there, but no major problems, no major outbreaks of violence we actually had an election. And yes, it would be nice if, you know, we could get the results by the night of election day, but that's not reality. That's not how it works. That's not how it's ever worked despite what Trump says. So the process is continuing and we can at least take pride in that. And poll workers can certainly take pride, especially when there's This current health crisis and people are literally risking their health voting Mm. and certainly working in polling places. Um, So to to insult those efforts, again, it's just beyond the pale.
2: Are you surprised with the amount of red that you see on the map when you look at it this morning? Or... Has, you know, were any of those areas of a, a surprise that when you when you thought they were going the other way or, or has this rolled out as you, you thought it might? It rolled out how I feared, not how I mm. personally had hoped. Mm. Uh,
1: again, you know, Democrats were looking at Texas and thinking, well, you know, it's a younger, more diverse population. The suburbs, you know, we could it's a purple state now. Mm. Clearly, it's not there yet. Um And, you know, there was a lot of miscalculation along the way and a lot of uh, hopes that unfortunately went unrealized. But on the other hand, you know, it's not all that terribly different than it was four years ago. Right. And then we think that Trump uh, that uh, Biden has a very good chance of taking those states uh that Trump won four years ago a la, uh, Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. Well, there is that difference. Mm. And at the moment, it's looking like that's going to happen. Mm. But I, I don't think anyone wants to make uh, too many predictions right now. Right.
2: You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates as well as FM and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day 7 days a week. This is a special moment of truth uh, election coverage with our uh, uh someone we've had on the show before Frank Scheck, a uh, film critic and political columnist for the Hollywood Reporter and it's a pleasure to have him back on the show as we do some election coverage with him. You know Frank, one of the things I I heard a uh, a Republican, um uh, someone that is has always voted Republican and he voted for Trump last time, but he he said, I I was. I wanted to make amends, I made a mistake, and, and so I'm voting, you know, uh, for Joe Biden this time. And, and the one thing that got me out of it, it wasn't so much about what he was saying about that. What he said was, I don't remember ever hearing a president ever say I or me so much. That's what really stood out to me was the I and the me part of what he was saying. And I thought, That's, that is interesting. Considering he is someone that is running a country and he should be there for the we, would you agree with that?
1: Oh absolutely i would and and I think any right thinking person would um, and a lot of Republicans, as you point out uh by that quotation, feel that way. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't seem to feel that way and and that's something. That Democrats and a lot of Republicans are wrestling with this kind of deification of Trump, this cult-like following that he seems to be able to attract, that does not bother his supporters. Um, Mm -hmm. And none of us can quite understand it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think historians will have to look at that in years to come to try to uh there there have always been demagogues who've Mm -hmm. attracted rabid followings Mm -hmm. um usually though you know in, in the face of what this country has gone through in terms of the pandemic and so many other things you'd think some of that would be tarnished by now and yes People have peeled away from Trump, but, you know, as these numbers are demonstrating in, in all those red states, people are still willing to just get in line behind them.
2: Now, that's, that's interesting because I'm wondering what it is you think that happened to them as they were going to put their check on that, on that ballot that said, I'm still willing to do this. What, what, do you think, what do you think happened in the minds of the people as they, as they were voting?
1: Well, I I, I wish I had an answer for that. I I really don't. I mean, I was stunned by the fact that the number one issue that voters were concerned about, according to Balls, was the economy rather than the pandemic. Mm. And when you consider that we're coming on to almost a quarter of a million Americans dead from the pandemic, Mm. which has so obviously been mishandled and which is running rampant, not in blue states now, but in red states. Mm. You would think that would get through to people that you can't have a great economy if everyone is dying. Mm. Um, They somehow seem to be able to put that aside. And all they're thinking about is the fact that there are 401ks were doing fairly well before the pandemic hit. And obviously, there's also a, a large component of people who are motivated by single issues, whether it's abortion, gun rights, etc. And uh, they're willing to get in line just to fulfill those goals. And they don't care who the messenger is or who the person who's providing it for them. Mm. And then there's a certain amount of people who just respond to that cult of personality and
2: uh, there's no getting through to them. I mean, clearly. Right. right. Trump nation. Yeah. Um, Frank, one of the other things I remember hearing about is the the support of, from Trump and, and the money behind him, the super rich. When we think of that side of this, what do you think that... That element, if at all, is is putting on the everyday voter. Do you think there is some some pressure from companies uh, you know sort of trying to get their employees to vote a certain way?
1: Well, there have been, there have been isolated incidents of that. I I don't think that's a major factor. I think a bigger factor is simply that Trump has somehow succeeded in making people believe that, you know, if they just support him, someday they might be as rich as he is. Uh, his tax policy, his tax cuts definitely benefited upper income voters, but yet lower-income voters seem to think it's benefiting them as well. They vote against their own economic interests. Mm. And that is something that has perplexed the Democrats for many, many years now.
2: Yeah, I remember uh, seeing someone being interviewed about that very thing and and hearing how they were – yeah, it's kind of like they – they had this admiration, and they were if they could get far away from their own uh personal lives, even I guess like you 're saying it 's kind of like that dream that he 's holding out there in front of them uh that may be unattainable nevertheless uh it is something that is enticing people that they see as a as somewhere down there as a possibility that that it, he they could too have that life or a better life. But like you're saying, it, it, it's not helping them in their present situation.
1: And they're also so completely blinded at this point by their hatred of the media mm. that they just refuse to believe the truth about Trump, which is that he's actually hundreds of million dollars in debt, that he doesn't pay taxes. Um, they just won't accept facts.
2: Um, So if we do have, uh, as you say, it's starting to look like it's going to be a Senate, uh, Republican Senate control.
1: Not not necessarily, but it's, you know, it's still very much up in the air.
2: Well, um, if it does go that way, how, as you say, it's going to be difficult for Biden if he wins. Um, I'm also wondering about things that he just wanted to, to perhaps uh, reverse that Trump had, 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 uh, you know, brought in. Are there things that, uh, that that he is looking down the road to possibly uh, to do and how difficult might the next four years be for Joe Biden if he does win?
1: Well, you know, Trump achieved, you know, Trump really had no major legislative success except the tax cut. Uh, and Biden may have difficulty reversing that. But, you know, what Trump mostly succeeded in doing was by executive order. Mm and what goes around comes around. Unfortunately, you know, it's sad that it has to come to that. But there are plenty of things Biden can do on day one by executive order to reverse a lot of those policies.
2: You know, something I, I thought about just recently that we haven't heard about for some time was the wall. Um, you know, it sort yeah. of fell off the, the radar. What What happened or what is happening with that? I don't know. Apparently, it's
1: not much of an issue anymore. Trump decided that immigration was not foremost on people's minds. And, um, you know, uh, he kind of sets the agenda for his followers. And so, yeah, they're not terribly concerned about it right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, you know, if he does get reelected, uh Stephen Miller, his henchman when it comes to those policies, has made it very clear that they will double down on it. Mm hmm. But you're right. It uh, it was surprisingly not a major uh, topic of conversation during this entire electoral process.
2: Now, the other thing, of course, you mentioned the, the pandemic. And, uh, of course, Trump has said he's going to uh, fire uh, the man in charge uh, once he gets back in the office.
1: Yeah, technically, he doesn't have the power to do that, although you can never underestimate him. He could get around it by firing the person who does have the power to do that. And, you know, putting his own kind of yes, man in that position. Um, you know, Fauci is far more popular than Trump. Mm. I, I never mm-hmm. quite understood why he thought that was uh, something that he should champion. And as we're heading into a long winter, it's, it's, going to be difficult. It's going to be dark. And those numbers are going to go up. So, you know, even if Biden gets elected, he doesn't assume office until January. So have almost three months where a lot of people are going to lose their lives unnecessarily.
2: Now, that's interesting, of course, because. That was one of the things that that Biden had pointed out and, and Trump had mentioned that we that was mentioned that that could go against Trump by saying he was going to, to fire Fauci because uh and because of that popularity. And it doesn't seem to have worked out that way. Yeah, he has somehow
1: managed to convince millions and millions of people that the pandemic is a hoax, that it's exaggerated, that Democrats just ginned it up for the election. It defies logic, it defies comprehension, and it's profoundly depressing that so many people in this country do not respect science
2: and just operate out of prejudice. Uh, Frank, the other thing, looking at, at the Biden uh, you know, and the Democrats side of things, there was some thought that this might be a bit of a runaway for the Democrats, but that obviously didn't turn out that way. What do you think that went that they didn't do right, or or they got wrong in in their campaigning and and com- coming into this election?
1: I think they're going to be spending a lot of time trying to figure out exactly that. Um, clearly, this country is much more center right. Than they expected it that it still was. Um, I, I can't point to anything in the Biden Harris campaign that I thought was a major tactical mistake. Mm. And even you know, even today, when you know, looking at reading all the pundits and all the commentary, no one is pointing fingers saying Democrats shouldn't have done
2: that. I mean, no one really quite understands what happened exactly. Mm. Question for you in that regard with the Democrats and Joe Biden. I heard a, a a little bit of a, a comment made. It was more of a, of a joke uh, as someone said, well, uh, we're heading off to bed now. Uh, it's too close to call. We don't know what's going to happen. But let's just say, uh, you know, uh, an old white guy is going to be president. So I, I thought that's interesting. Does that you think that plays into this at all? Is there is something about the, the representation of, of uh, Joe Biden that, that maybe didn't click with people in the younger generation? Well, let's not forget
1: that Biden right now still has a very good chance of becoming president. And and the reason for that is specifically those Midwestern states in which he has a lot more appeal than a uh, Warren or Sanders would have had. Unfortunately, the Democrats did not have any candidates like Obama who... Really galvanized people mm. and excited people.
0: Mm.
1: You know, should we, should they have taken a flyer on, um, Pete Buttigieg or someone like that? It's very hard to say.
2: Mm.
1: But if Biden becomes elected president, you know, it could argue, one could argue that it was a winning strategy. Mm. It, it, it was a safe strategy, but you know, mm. we'll know in the next 24 to 48 hours, probably whether or not it was the right strategy.
2: Now, you say the next 24 to 48 hours, uh, but I, I guess that's that's going to... Is that really going to be the end of it, though?
1: Possibly. You know, I, yes, there will still be votes coming in, but if it's beyond uh, a certain percentage, you know, uh, they're still going to be able to call stakes.
2: And are you concerned, regardless of which way this might turn out, about... Uh, the potential for civil unrest?
1: There's always that concern. Thankfully, it's not looking right now like it's going to be that way. And that's a great relief so far. I Mm. mean, you know, I I live in um, New York City and I can't tell you how many stores and restaurants were boarded up Mm. in the last few days Mm. and in a lot of other cities as well. Right. Um, so we can all just hope and pray that whatever the result is, that people will accept it, that Trump does not try to incite violence, and that we can just move on and, and still have a functioning democracy. Mm-hmm. But it, mm-hmm. but it is an open question.
2: Mm-hmm. Frank, it's been a pleasure speaking with you once again. We really want to thank you for your time to come on to the show and, and bring us uh, your uh, your views on what's going on with the election. And uh, and and we hope that we can turn to you uh, in the future, uh, maybe in the next week or so, uh, as things roll out to uh, to have you back on the show once again.
1: Absolutely, and I, I, I hope I'm in a better mood.
2: <laughs> well, we're, we're happy to take you any mood you might be in at the time. So, you know, uh, we thank you once again for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Take care. That's Frank Sheck. He is a film critic and political columnist for The Hollywood Reporter. It was a pleasure to have him on the show as we bring you this special show here on Moment of Truth on the U.S. election that is taking place. Please don't go away because we're going to be right back with Tim Ward right after this to continue our coverage.
0: Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element. Element. Element FM.
2: Welcome back to our special edition of Moment of Truth as we look at the U.S. election south of the border. My guest is uh, Tim Ward. He was on the show last week with us, and it's a pleasure to have him back. Tim is uh, has a book called Pro-Truth, and it's a practical plan for putting truth back into politics, and it's a pleasure to have him back on the show. Well, Tim, did you get much sleep no, <laughs> I did
0: not i just a full full disclosure for your listeners yes. uh, uh, I find that president trump 's attitude towards the truth, which is that he disregards it and has told some incredibly damaging lies, that throws me very firmly uh, into the Biden camp when it comes to who I was hoping to win this um, mm. this election, and so I went to bed last night, curled up in a in a fetal position. <laughs> wondering how I was even going to get out of bed in the morning, <laughs> because of course, at that time uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, mm-hmm. and Pennsylvania were all trending red mm-hmm. uh, I, I I woke up in the morning and of course, before barely opening my eyes, I had my iphone in my in my hand uh, to discover that Wisconsin had just shifted slightly towards biden, and of course, where we 're sitting now midday on on Wednesday, you see Biden leading by. Uh, about 0.6% in both Wisconsin and Michigan with from what the commentators are saying many more absentee votes likely trending blue or likely from places like near Detroit.
2: Mm. Yeah, we we've heard uh, we've heard some interesting things. I I was surprised because w- with some of the pollsters that we saw on how the map was looking, you know, prior to the election, it certainly does look different today. Right, the only thing that 's not
0: surprising is that President Trump has falsely made allegations of electoral fraud mm. now he 's as much as said if he doesn 't win then it, then there 's got to be fraud, so he 's set our expectations out there already for for this i 've been heartened to see that some leading Republicans have already denounced this and said that there 's no reason whatsoever to um, mm. to expect this but this is Part of uh, this damaging pattern that was really the reason I co-authored the book Pro-Truth of um, this president being able to say things that are patently false, patently without evidence, and um, often not being held accountable for for them.
2: And in that regard, of course, he made an announcement around 3 a.m. that the election was over, he'd won. Um, right to which uh, that was on Twitter, I believe, and Twitter responded with something to the effect that this was misleading information, and they're they're sort of uh, backing off of those statements.
0: Right, right, e- exactly, and so so they should. I mean, the the social media gatekeepers have yet to really accept responsibility for misinformation that yep. not that they allow on their platform, uh, especially since an elected head of state is spreading misinformation. I yes. mean, you know, it's. Definitely new new waters that we're all treading. But I'm I'm heartened to hear them taking some political responsibility because of the unrest and indeed violence that that could well unleash. I mean, um, Washington D.C., the 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 city next door to where I live, the streets of businesses are all boarded up. My son lives in Philadelphia. He was walking through town yesterday and said businesses they're all they're all boarded up. Never before Mm. have we seen an American election where the fear of violence Mm. in post-election results is as real as it is right now. And Trump has a reputation for fanning the flames of violence in the past. No doubt if he declares that he already won, then he will declare the election stolen. Yes. The main thing is this has nothing to do with the fact. And there's nothing more clearly factual than how many ballots were marked one way or another. Mm just like the pandemic. You either have the virus
2: or you don't. It's not political <laughs> language, it's fact. <laughs> Whew. Well, you know, and, and we understand that, that a lot of these votes won't be counted until sometime in the middle of November, as some states are still going to be counting those votes.
0: Yes, although I think we're likely to have an outcome in most of them much sooner. Nevada has said it's going to Report back by midday Thursday. That means it's still going through its own counts, mm. but we won't hear from them for a day. And I frankly, I think that's there's some wisdom in in that. I've, I've really hated watching the, um, the the main media channels covering this election mm. with states flipping mm. blue to red when you've got five percent of the vote in, or mm. even sixty percent of the mm. vote in. Mm. It would just flip from one color to a, to another, right. making people think. But that was like they're watching a horse race when Mm -hmm. actually they're just watching ballots being counted. Right. Uh, I I, I honestly think that the media has yet to reckon with the destructive way that it covers elections. Simply labeling states that are close battleground
2: states. Yeah. It's a frame of a battle in people's mind. Sure. Exactly. I guess that's interesting in terms of, uh, you know, what you're talking about and, and your book, uh, Pro-Truth, is the use of words, right? Yes. Uh, and, and embellishing things. Uh, you know, this misleading information that we were just talking about on Twitter that, uh, and the other statements that he made about the, just the integrity of the election itself and what that does to the country. Because I can't help but think that he's talking about the very system by which people elect a president in the country. It's it's not us and them. It's the entire country's system. Uh, it's not one system or another. It is the system. He's he's really uh, casting a, a, a bad light on the entire country by doing that. Would-
0: Absolutely. I, I, I uh, did a quick scan of international news and saw the, the Chinese, for example... Talking about the the American system, not you know, you know, not being such a such a great one. I mean, China would love to see American democracy discredited mm. as it seeks to move into a role of the new the new global superpower. Uh, you know, authoritarian regimes um, in places like uh, like Hungary mm. were um, coming out just strongly in favor of of Trump's uh, audacious uh, lie. Mm. Um, America sends a message to the world by how it handles its elections, and anything other than a perception of fairness is not just destabilizing but demoralizing for uh, nations that seek to improve their democracy. And in South Africa, some report some reports out of there were saying, "Well, we're used to seeing this from places, you know, on on the African continent mm-hmm. <laughs> where strongmen rig rig elections, mm-hmm. but we're not used to seeing it from from America." I, I wish Americans had more of a sense of how much people watch America as an example of democracy.
2: Yeah, uh, Tim, if we look down the road here, uh, if we can sidestep the election for a Mm -hmm. moment, regardless of of who might win the election, um, I'm just wondering in in the future, uh, because of what what has transpired in the last four years and because of the kind of light that Trump has thrown uh, on the country itself and, and what he has, has done with media and all the other things, uh, how, how do you think that's going to be a challenge for the country, it being uh, the United States, media and politics in the future to uh, try to correct some of the things that, has, that have happened?
0: Yeah, boy, this is just the right question for the whole country, David. I, I'm not sure the whole country wants to wants to answer it. Um, mm. a, a friend of mine who's uh, got his own blog wrote about suffering, and he talked about how many people right now are feeling suffering in the midst of this election, mm. suffering because their side has not yet won or because right. they threw their side won't, right. won't win. But what he said is, you know, we often like to say, Oh, I really understand how you feel. I really, really feel your pain. So, but we don't. And (laughs) regardless of who wins, that's not helpful. But but what we really need, do need to do is hear each other, express our suffering and hear each other and try to get what it's like to be uh, uh, on the other side. Now, frankly, I find that a profoundly, a, a wish that's profoundly aligned with democratic values mm. of fairness, of understanding and compassion. Not one that's that's well aligned with President Trump's brand of, uh, I won't even call it republicanism because there's much to respect about the republican ideology, but let's call it nationalism, mm. um, which does seem very much divisive us versus them. So I think you may feel he- you have Democrats wanting to reach out, wanting to find ways to, to heal, to listen, to govern, as Biden has been saying, for the whole country. Meanwhile, the Trump campaign may be digging in deeply to more divisive than other, us versus them, them win or lose, mm. really separating the country. Mm. Uh, I, I personally have found this whole red state, blue state thing odious. Mm. When we look at places like, like Texas, mm. it's like 46 to 52%. Mm-hmm. It's not a red state. It's not a blue state. Right. There are people, in the neighborhoods right. that vote, they see different ways and vote different ways. That could be America's strength. Instead, of really tearing the
2: country apart. Mm. Mm-hmm. When when Trump is saying, you know, he's going to there's fraud. And he's going to challenge this to take to the Supreme Court. He's got his team of lawyers. I, I couldn't help but think when he said "team of lawyers," uh, just the language. We we'll go back to the language again. That whole idea yeah. of it sounds very threatening. It sounds very uh oh." Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to throw this uh, the book at you with uh, all my all my wordsters here with uh, the lawyers right. because w- lawyers use words, and uh, it comes right back to the, what you're talking about is about truth. And 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 lawyers are very good with words, and they're very good with uh, twisting things, trying to win a case. That's what they do, right?
0: Yeah. So the the best response to that was the um, governor of Pennsylvania, who came out this morning and very clearly said. We are counting all the ballots. Everyone in Pennsylvania can rest guaranteed, rest assured that your vote will be counted. He also said the votes that we are counting are votes that were received before the polls closed yesterday. So we had. The, then he went further. And he said we have received some votes that are later than that. Those are being sequestered in a separate place. Mm. So we are just counting the votes that came in by le- the legal, you know, election day. Deadline. So they've been very, very clear that what's going on is strictly business as usual. And they need to push back like that against claims of fraud. Nothing is going on that hasn't gone on in earlier in, in other elections where vote counts have been close. They're just counting the votes
2: now what is your what is your feeling that you're getting at this moment about how things are going and uh, the, the sense of mood in the country well um,
0: I will have to say first that my first that my feeling is one of profound chagrin to have misread so many Americans. I was one of those who really expected a blue wave. I thought this election would be mm-hmm. a powerful repudiation of trump's lies of his horrible handling of the pandemic, which has led to over 230,000 American deaths and rampant out of control, new infections every, every day. Uh, I'm shocked and dismayed that some States like Florida, where there's so many seniors, that more than 50% of the voters have, have gone for him. So I feel out of touch and I'm taking my friend's note about, about listening, Mm. that I've got more listening to, to do. That said, if I just at this point look at the numbers, if I look at the board right now, um, if Biden continues to lead in Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, and Michigan, that's all he needs. Mm. doesn't even need to win in Pennsylvania. Mm. So if just for he's leading alone, he stays leading, that's the the election.
2: Mm. But it won't be the end.
0: Probably not, but it will be clear enough, especially with Pennsylvania still in play, that I would be very surprised if if there was any court case that could make
2: mm.
0: that, that could make a difference right i'd be very surprised now I've been surprised before.
2: You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates, as well as ELM and TFM, and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is a special election U.S. coverage moment of truth. My guest is Tim Ward. We had him on the show uh, prior, and we have invited him back to give us uh, some more input. Uh, Tim has uh, co-authored a book called Pro-Truth, a Practical Plan for Putting Truth Back into Politics. And so it's a pleasure to have him back on the show. Tim, when I think of what you were saying, and as we look at the numbers, and you say misread, uh, you know, the the, the voters, I, I'm also wondering about the Democrats and what you think that they didn't do right leading into this election because of there was that presumption that there might be a Biden wave that, that would happen and it didn't. It, 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 you know, and I think there's a lot of people that maybe are surprised about that. So I'm wondering a couple of things. One what, about the Democrats themselves, what is it that you think that they either didn't do or that they missed? And what do you think voters are still hanging on to that they believe Trump can can or will provide?
0: Um, let me answer the first one first. What do I think Democrats missed? First of all, like so many people, they were misled by the polls. Hmm. It's still, uh, not clear exactly how the polls managed to get so much wrong, Hmm. but clearly polls are less reliable than they were four years ago, not more reliable. Hmm. Um, and there's a, a, a logical, a, a cognitive bias, um, where you trust the numbers you've got Hmm. (laughs) rather than staying skeptical of the numbers you've gotten me not not mean as much as you you think they do. So that's part of it. The other thing that I think they missed is they they are, I don't think provided a powerful vision for the future of America mm. that was appealing. Trump pulled uh, in in exit polls well as a strong leader but poorly in terms of trustworthiness. Now, to me, how someone can be a strong leader and yet untrustworthy mm. is, is crazy-making from a pro-truth point of view. Mm. Um, but Americans, uh, many of them, I think, like simple, clear messages. The sad news is, even if those clear messages are false, mm. the easier narrative to believe is often the one that they do. So the narrative that... Um, Trump is good for the economy simply because he's going to remove more regulations, remove more taxes. We've heard uh, accounts that that was actually appealing to, for example, Cuban American voters in in Florida who heard the narrative that Biden is a socialist. Biden's far from socialist, Mm. but that simple narrative often dominates And I don't think Biden had a clear, simple narrative other than Trump is doing nothing to stop the pandemic. So clear narrative but mostly a negative narrative. What was the positive vision that Biden was painting for America? I didn't really see one. He was in many ways campaigning against Trump and against his handling of the pandemic. Simple-ish, but not really, in, not really obviously resonating with enough people in the states that have swung Republican. Mm.
2: What about the face of the, the Democrats themselves? Do you think that, you know, I, I made this uh, this comment earlier in, in our previous interview in that I heard someone as they were uh, heading off to bed, they said, well, you know, it's too close to call. We don't know what's happening. We've got to go to bed. Let's just say it's going to be an old white guy that's going to be the president of the United States. and And I thought that's an interesting comment. And I thought, how does that bode well for, you know, the parties? Uh, I would say uh, from the little that I've seen of uh, of Biden, uh, you know, in the coverage that I have seen uh, and against uh, and looking at Trump, Trump is is energetic. He's you know, he, he's out there. He's in your face. Uh, do you think that. That the Democrats need to. Uh, do you think they missed something with with the the younger generation or or with the electoral uh, population that that didn't connect with with Biden?
0: I don't know. I, I think
2: um, there are a
0: lot of young people, uh, a lot of uh, uh, people of, of of color, a lot of more minority groups that that really were all in with the Democrats. I found a tremendous enthusiasm. Uh, in a lot of places, but those places are the states that have gone more strongly blue. I mean, if you you look at the Northeast, you look at California, um, even places like Colorado, Minnesota, they are you know college mm. a lot of college students there, mm. and they are st- strongly in the, the the blue column. That's why Biden, although mm. the race seems close, he's up by more than um, two percentage points mm-hmm. overall in the in the national mm. the national vote.
2: It is very close. As you were talking prior to this, I, I couldn't help but think about, and maybe I'm, it's just popped into my head, and maybe I'm completely off base with this, So, so, so you can help me. I'm wondering about the U.S., international perspective or or what may have changed over, say, the last uh, 10, 20 years in terms of the internal uh, face of of the United States. Uh, And and why I'm thinking about that is, you know, I I always have always thought of – uh, America as as being very strong, very, uh, you know, in some cases, you, people call arrogant, the Americans are arrogant about themselves. They're very patriotic. Is that somehow being challenged? And, and is that does that play into this in terms of, of why Trump is, is so attractive to many people? Does that make any sense at all? Uh, let, let me
0: start with the the international aspect that you mm. you addressed. Uh, I've spent a fair amount of my my time in in Europe, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of people in, in Paris in particular, they're sort of like America. What? There really is this almost sense that America has become a bipolar nation, mm. uh, a, a nation which flips. You have mm-hmm. Obama, mm-hmm. who for many Europeans, they saw him as internationalists, they saw him as a really steady hand mm-hmm. uh, on the American tiller. And then, then then, Trump, it's almost Jekyll and Hyde for people outside mm. of, of the country. Mm. So, yeah, I think America has been a very disorienting place. And this is going to increase that, even with a Biden win, the fact that such a large percentage of the country, you know, voted twice mm. for such a, such a disruptor. Um, I think that we are definitely in an era where the U.S. is going to be slipping from its role as the sole global superpower. It's not only a loss of economic power, but a lot of loss of moral authority. Uh, and and a loss as a, as a leader of Western democracies, largely thanks to Trump withdrawing from things like the Paris Climate Accords, which he's done today, right? Mm. This is the day mm. that the U.S. officially with, withdraws. So everybody's aware there's a lot at stake. The U.S. is a very big player. To have it be a distable and unpredictable one is bad
2: yeah.
0: for for so many, so many people around the world.
2: Do you think there's a a sense of that within the country that, that the United States is losing its grip somehow and that they see Trump as a, as a way of, you know, he's going to whip the country and the, and the world into shape. Yeah. You know, a good friend of mine who's a
0: Canadian professor of anthropology, Wade Davis wrote an article on exactly that topic in Rolling Stone, um, basically talking about this as being the waning of the American star and it's, uh, it's inst- not just its institutions, its political institutions, but its, uh, idea as a nation who reaches out, who wants the world to be a better place, who wants democracy and human rights and freedom to flourish. All of those things have seemed to be diminished under, under Donald Trump to the, to the point where its leadership role mm. is, is quite rightly questioned by withdrawing from the Paris Accords, uh, by, uh, challenging the NATO alliances by cozying up to dictators like Putin and, and Kim Jong, Jong-il in um, in Korea. Mm. Things have shifted in a way that's very uncomfortable and very unsettling for the world.
2: Mm. How do you think the Senate is going to play out in this?
0: Right. So the Senate is, as a midday Wednesday, is very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's frankly too close to call, but it will be tight either either way. It might come down to who wins the presidency, having the, bull, the, the mm. vice president cast the deciding, mm. the deciding one, and we may not see that result in for a couple of days as well.
2: Mm. Mm. Uh, the other thing that I heard uh, a Republican say, uh, someone that is a devout Republican, and uh, they said they had voted for Trump last time. This was in an interview I heard, and he said he was voting uh, for Biden this time around because. He, one of the things that he, that he didn't like about uh, Trump was his use of the word I. I. It's always me or I, not us or the country. It's about what he, personally, me, I. Uh, and he didn't like that. He said, I've never heard a president use th- those words so much.
0: That's right. Um, I I take to heart the, uh, the, the book that his niece wrote, uh, uh, Trump's niece wrote, about Donald Trump, and she is a, 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 a psychologist by, by training and uh, basically diagnosed him as a, as a, as a narcissist, mm. right? Somebody who sees everything through the lens of I. And mm. I think that's a fair descriptor for this man. So the question is, how can somebody who's so narcissistic, who so says things I, 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 be so magnetizing to so many Americans. And the best explanation for that, that I've run across is they see themselves in him. Right. Mm -hmm. And they see even in his things, which seem uncouth, which seem blunt, which seem wrong. They see themselves speaking. And when smarty pants, liberals attack Trump, they feel themselves as being attacked. Mm -hmm. So he's managed to connect. So I think this is a, 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 uh, a catharsis for many people. They feel as Trump feels. And when Trump is attacked, they feel, they feel attacked. Um, and we ought to better understand what that, that sense of being on the outside is for those who found only, only hope so far in, in Trump. Uh, I will say I heard a great metaphor from, uh, from someone, I think this was on Fox news. They said, Trump supporters see the world as if they are standing in line on a hill and the top of the hill is the American dream and they are in this line. But now they are seeing other people get in the line ahead of them. They're seeing women, they're seeing minority groups come into the line ahead of them and they feel that's unfair. And I get that. Let, Let me just say one thing. But what they don't see is it's not so much that it's unfair, it's that it's been roped off and primarily white men <laughs> have been the ones allowed in the line. Yeah. <laughs> but it still feels to them like others are cutting in, even if that's not how it appears to those who are finally feeling they get a place.
2: Wow. That's a pretty dramatic uh, image to, to share. And, and it's, it makes a lot of sense, you know, in so many ways yeah that whole cathartic thing about uh when Trump speaks they they feel you know they're he's speaking for them or or they see themselves, and then when he's attacked they feel attacked that makes a whole yeah. lot of sense yeah. in terms of those really devout followers that that right. he has right
0: and and I say this it's it's disparaging, but it's something that I've held in my mind many times um, uh, Trump is a poor man's idea of a rich man hmm. He's a weak man's idea of a strong man, <laughs> and he's a stupid person's idea of a smart person. Now, that's pretty disparaging, mm. but in many ways it seems, I don't even want to say true, I want to say it's challenging, mm. because how do you reach people for whom Trump has been an
2: ideal? Yeah. Trump
0: has been a hero, yep. and they're going to feel their hero has fallen if, in fact, Biden wins.
2: Yeah. It's it's very interesting, and that could be a whole other conversation, Tim. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and perhaps it's one we could uh, follow up with at another time because our time is up. But it's been really fascinating, and of course, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show today.
0: Well, it's been my pleasure, David. And as you know, Toronto and Ottawa; those are my hometown. That's 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 where I grew up. I'm I'm sure I may have friends and family listening to. Uh, to your show
2: that's Tim Ward and he is the co-author of Pro-Truth a practical plan for putting truth back into politics it's been a pleasure to have him on the show and that wraps up our special coverage for today on November 4th of the U.S. election and it's been a pleasure to have Tim on and we also enjoy having you listen each and every day to Moment of Truth I'm your host David Moses we'll talk to you again tomorrow (laughs)